Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with uh, life all-around leader, guru, coach, friend, John Opaluski. John, uh, you gave us a little teaser on our last episode talking about what today's topic was going to be. And because we recorded that, we recorded that a month ago. It was just aired a week ago, but we recorded it a month ago. And and you talked about um, pursuing unfaithful people and why you shouldn't do that. And as a pastor, it's funny. I remember my first reaction was, well, we can make them faithful. You know, we can... Right. Uh, we can help them see it. We can, but truth be told, there's a lot of people that put a lot of energy into a few people that don't really produce much. Tell us a little bit about uh, pursuing unfaithful people and why you shouldn't. Well, Jim, good morning. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I made as a young lead pastor was spending way too much time trying to get uncommitted people to be committed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do breakfasts, lunches, coffees, uh, trying to convince the unfaithful fringe. Yeah. to become uh, faithful. And in doing that, I, I ignored those people in the church who were committed already on board and rowing in the same direction with the rest of the team. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Because I, you know, I, I think this is pretty universal for pastors. It isn't true in the corporate world. It isn't right. true in the government world. But it is true in the church world that you know I, I can change them or I owe them uh, some time and, and like you're saying there's a 20 percent that are doing most of the work and there's this 80 percent that is desperately in need of exercise we're trying, we're going after the 80 percent while we're ignoring the faithful people why is that is that something in our hearts or our heads or the bible or where, where do we get that from well i think i think you may have tapped all three of the sources of that <laughs> um let me let me talk about the bible uh thought there i i uh, i hear people object to this thought this way, uh, didn't Jesus tell us to leave the 99 sheep who are already in the fold yeah. and go after the one who was lost? Well, yeah, he, he did tell us to do that, but I'm pretty sure that was a relationship with Jesus principle, not a leadership right. principle. Right. You know, I think about when Judas left the team, so right. to speak, to, to betray Jesus to the Jewish leaders, Jesus didn't chase after him. Right. You know, and instead he, he spent his remaining hours, this is interesting to me, with the 11 guys who didn't leave. Right. Uh, and when the uh, rich young ruler refused to follow Jesus, he didn't, set up, he didn't set up a lunch appointment with the intent of trying to convince the young guy you know, to, to follow him. <laughs> yeah. There really was a binary call in there. You're yeah. in, you're out. It's up to you. Right. Here's here's reality. Here's what you're going to face down the road. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. I, I've known some leaders that have kind of approached their congregations um that way, but but negatively. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't want to be here, then don't. And people are like, well, I don't right. think I want to be here. It's, it's almost a, a counter-manipulative yes. move versus Jesus just saying, here's reality. Right. If you want to be a part of reality. And I would say from just off the top of my head, the percentage of people that said I'm all in was pretty small compared mm-hmm. to the percentage of people that said, you know, feed us again tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Right. Yeah. So what, why do you think this is? Why do you think... Uh, you know, give give us some like specific bedrock. What what is going on inside of us that that helps us to kind of uh, you know why do we fall into this trap of just obsessively trying to find the unfaithful people and make them faithful? Okay, so I don't, Jim. I don't know all the reasons why, but let me give you. Uh, I think I'd like to cover three today. Um, three reasons why. First of all, it's not uncommon for a leader to be ignorant, okay, about <laughs> certain things. You know, I, I realize that, that uh, 
when I look in the rearview mirror of how I led uh, yeah. many, many years ago, that there was a, I, I was ignorant about a lot of things. And sure. I think part of my subconscious thought was, why spend time with faithful people? They're already, they're yeah. already on board, right? And right. if the church is going to grow, I need to spend time going after those who are unfaithful. Yeah. And I think that was misguided thinking. So I think ignorance is one of the reasons, you know, and I, I think, Jim, instead of trying to light a fire under a Christian who lives on the fringe from a commitment perspective and who is unlikely to ever get on board, why not fan the flame of a person who's already fully present right. and highly motivated? And, right. and I think about, you know, it's raining outside this morning, and I think about, you ever try to ignite a pile of wet wood? Yes, I have. <laughs> right? All the deer hunters said amen. Yes, right. we have, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of energy you expend to get that fire lit is way out of proportion to the results you get for your, your efforts. So I, I think it's a lot better to find dry wood that only needs a spark right. uh, to get it rolling. Right. It's, you know, I, I know that <clears throat> I've had people in my congregation, John, that have been, I, I mean, I feel a sense of responsibility to all of them. I'm their pastor. If right. they walk into this building on a regular basis, I have a commitment to them, whether they reciprocate or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I, but man, I, what you're saying rings so true because I, I find myself ignoring the faithful, not spending that time, not playing golf, not going golfing, not you know, even the random text. I'm trying to find the guy that I see potential in, Yeah. you know? And I, and I think that I, I see Jesus doing the same thing too, but he, I think he did it for different reasons. You know, he did invite people that weren't qualified on, on the fringe to come in, but um, I, I, we were talking earlier about the Messiah complex. Tell, tell us a little bit more like the second reason here, why, you know, that we're ignorant, but the other one is that Messiah complex. What, what does that mean? I think some leaders live with this incessant, incessant need to fix people. Uh, they take unhealthy levels of responsibility for the lives of those uh, they lead. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think a better thought process, Jim, is to understand that you and I have responsibility to our people, not for our people. That's interesting. Say that again. Responsibility. We have responsibility to our people. Yeah not for our people. That's liberating, that thought. It, it, it didn't get me off the hook. I still have a responsibility. Right. But I, I'm, their success or failure is now in their hands. My success or failure is, is in presenting them with what they need to succeed. Right. Yeah, interesting. I think, I think that our, the responsibility we have to uh, people is to lead, uh, to love them, uh, to teach, to encourage, to challenge and, and comfort them, to pray for them. Yeah. But I don't think it's ever our job as a leader to fix them. Right. Yeah, I boy, and I think too, John, have you experienced this where I must not be a good pastor because I don't seem to be, quote, helping, unquote, anybody. Right. And I think we're talking about this sometimes. We're talking about people that really didn't have any interest in, in being helped. I think about our friends that work in addictions uh, ministries and so forth, the mm -hmm. relapse rate, and the, they're doing great. And we're so proud of you. And the next day, you know, right back to where we started from that if they were to deal with this Messiah complex, they'd never make it a month. Exactly. You, know I mean? you, you just have to have faith in God and, and God's will for people, present them with the truth. I, I guess, though, for me, the, the balance is to not disconnect my heart from them. Like, I, I'm assuming you're going to fail. So let's just I'll just do what I do. Like I've had school teachers that just taught the information and didn't care about their students, and it, right. it showed, you know? Yep. Um, but I, I think as pastors, maybe we suffer from just the opposite. We care so much, you know, that here, like, please, you know, help yourself. And if that doesn't work, it gets so discouraging yep. and hurtful. What, what sort of advice do you have for a pastor that's like, I've, I really wanted to help this guy for years, and he just, he keeps destroying it. He keeps going back to the addiction. He keeps destroying his life. I mean, we're not, 
we don't have the Messiah complex, but we're we do want to help people. Sure. You know, what do you what do you say to that guy that's like, John, I don't think I'm good at this because I'm not really saving anyone. Well, I, I think I want to just come back to this idea of of we can't fix anybody, only God can. And even he only can if people decide to cooperate with him. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I have to understand what my role is and what God's role is yeah. in this people thing that we do together. And uh, he, he is the one who does the transformation. He is right. the one that makes the change. But even he has limitations right. if people won't open their hearts up to him. So I, I tell myself, I try to tell myself this, there's only one Savior, and I'm not him. Right. Yeah. That was a good day. I actually made a, a public resignation of being the creator and sustainer of the world about 20 years ago. I just want to announce my resignation of, you know, sitting in God's throne. I'd like to resign now and <laughs> tell you what I'm really going to do now. <laughs> what else do you have? What are, you said there was three of them. We've, we've covered two. Yeah. Let me, the third one is brokenness. And this one might sound a little weird uh, right out of the gate, but let me explain. I, I wonder how much of the chasing of the fringe unfaithful is due to something broken on the inside of us yeah. as a leader. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes we operate out of this deep subconscious need to be seen as Superman right. or, or Superwoman, you know, swooping in to save the day. Um, perhaps our self-esteem is, is fragile and we crave the applause of, of others. So, you know, we take on this project, this unfaithful fringe person, uh, in the hopes that others will notice how amazing we are. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that, I don't think I know any leader who is consciously operating, you know, right. in that way. But deep down in the, in our heart, there are, are times that are, where we're just broken and we need this, we need the attaboy, we need the applause, we need somebody to say, man, you did a great job. And I think we all need that. Yeah. But there are levels of that. And sometimes, and I think, Jim, when I look back on my pa lead pastor, stint of seven years, so much of my uh, attempts to help people were this deep-seated need for mm -hmm. me to have approval. Right. And, and so that was, that was broken. And uh, I think that's... Boy, that makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? Yes. And you're, you're putting your, the way you see yourself on the shoulders of people that may or may not, and often, just being honest, will not respond to truth. Right. And then you walk out the door and you say, I'm a failure. And it really has, it's just the wrong math, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. really are looking at the wrong math. So if you discover that about yourself listening to this podcast, I, th I think I, not I maybe I'm in the ministry for the wrong reason. I don't mean that, but I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at the payday the wrong way. The payday is I get to be Superman. And if I don't get paid very often, it's unsatisfying. Help right. Fix that, John. What the, the person just realized <laughs> that about themselves just said, huh, my, my motives are really um, dangerous here how do you fix those motives what do you say to a guy that goes john i just realized i'm in ministry for me yeah you know not for god not for them i think i think it has to do with identity and, mm. and jim we've talked about identity a, a couple of times on the podcast yeah. uh that if we work for our identity instead of from our identity um we spend a lot of our leadership energy and capital chasing after people who yeah. will likely never get on board and and really, our identity is it's very simple. We're adopted sons yeah. and daughters loved unconditionally by Father God. Yeah. And if I can learn how to really walk in that wonderful truth, that, that will set me free yeah. from this, this incessant need 
to fix, to chase, uh, yeah. to get my, uh, my um, affirmation from people. Yeah. And really learn how to get more of that from God. I, th- I think that's what I would say to that. And, and what a better place to minister to people from. Right. Because now you can be honest. Now, now you can say what needs to be said. There's no fear of man left because it's been replaced by the love of God. And, you know, I, Jesus certainly uh, operates from this position, doesn't he? What he's talking about, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's not winning a beauty contest for saying things like that. Everybody takes off. Even the disciples are like, we don't, we're not sure if we want to hang out. And Jesus has to confront them and say, are you guys leaving too? Like yeah. that, that certainly was on their mind. They yeah. didn't, but it certainly was on their mind. Right. So... Excellent stuff, John. Thank you so much for sharing this. I, now, the next episode we're looking forward to, or give us a little teaser on on uh, episode 10. Hard to believe this is going to be our 10th episode yeah, coming up next week. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So uh, the, the title of the next uh, episode is must, Five Must-Ask Questions When Considering a Transition. Now, by transition, do you mean uh, quitting the pastorate and going to another one? or um, It could be that, or it could just be moving from one uh, pastorate to another. Right. And uh, I think transition is a reality that every leader will deal with at some point in their, in their work life. Um, some leave at the first sign of trouble yeah, or sustained trouble, and some stay in toxic environments that have no realistic hope right. of changing. So what I'd like to do in the next podcast is look at five questions any leader who's considering a transition Good. needs to ask themselves before they, they leave. Man, and, and and you and I have both seen, right, the, the number of people that don't ask the right questions come to the wrong conclusions and, and end up making terrible mistakes and on both ends of that. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we are always here for you. Uh, down below the, the podcast today, press the like button, and that will get this out. Uh, press the share button. It gets it out even more. And if you have any comments or questions or thoughts for John, feel free to comment down below. And as always, thanks for being a part of today's broadcast. We hope this helps. And we are always, always, always helping you to lead from a line.